Second Kings, there's actually two books in the Old Testament called Kings, and they're about, what's it about? Kings, yes. It's about kings, kings of Israel. So there's two books uh, of the Old Testament called Kings. It's the 12th book of the Bible, page 438. I'm just kidding. I don't know what page it's on, whatever Bible you got. People always start looking page 438. So back in the mid-80s, my uh, grandparents' home was burglarized. It was broken into. The thieves knew exactly where to go because of the items that were taken. Now, my grandparents lived way out in the country in the state of Ohio. And so because of the state-of-the-art 1980s alarm system that they had in their home, the thieves knew that they had plenty of time to break in, get the items they wanted, and get out before the police arrived. And so some of those items included an old 357 revolver, some of my grandmother's jewelry, but the most valuable item of all, according to my grandfather, was his World War II Japanese sniper rifle, complete with a bayonet that he brought back from combat in the Philippines. So my grandfather called my my dad. He was so bummed, you know, that this happened. And if you've ever had your home broken into, you know how personal and violated uh, you feel when you're walking through your home knowing that somebody went through your things, taking things that didn't belong to them, things that you worked hard for. So losing things that are of value causes lots of different mixed emotions in us. Sometimes we're sad. Other days we're angry. Some days we're hurt or confused, discouraged. And then other days we just kind of want to recluse away from everyone, from society, uh, even self-medicate ourselves maybe or mask the emotions that we're feeling. Uh, It depends on what we lose, right? On what angle that we take in the middle of our loss. So this weekend, we are continuing continuing our summer series, True Stories of the Bible, maybe stories you've never heard before. If you didn't grow up in church, even if you did grow up in church, maybe these are stories that you've never heard. But before we get into it today, let's listen to a quick recap of today's story from Pastor Brian. Watch this video. So the fishing story is an awesome story. It really did happen. We were all blown away. But the scripture has a better story that one-ups that. Elisha was meeting with some of his prophets and somebody came to him and said, hey, we need a bigger place to meet where there's too many of us. We can't cram in here anymore. So the suggestion was, let's go down to the Jordan River. Uh, There's a lot of timber and let's build this new place for us to meet. Elisha was like, cool. So they got down there and they started going to work. One of the in particular workers, he had this ax. And as he was working, chopping lumber and timber, uh, the ax head falls off and flies into the Jordan River. Everyone's just kind of standing there and looking at it. Uh, the guy goes, uh, he says, you know what? Uh, that, I, I borrowed that. I, I was supposed to return that. And, and you, can, you can obviously assume that he's bummed out because he's dreading the fact of having to go back to the, whoever owned this ax and say, hey, I messed up, you know, it's gone. So Elijah comes in and he says, uh, hey, where did it fall into the river? And so they kind of pointed in a general direction and Elijah finds a, a stick. And when he finds this stick, he, uh, he takes the stick and he throws it into the spot where the ax head sank. The Bible says that the axe head rose to the surface, defied all gravity, and this metal heavy axe head floats to the surface or rises to the surface, and they're all just kind of standing around looking at it. 
And, and the scripture tells us in 2 Kings that Elisha says, grab it, grab hold of it, take hold of it. Stop just looking at it, grab it. And so I can imagine somebody floats out or, or wades out into the water, grabs the ax head and brings it back. And this guy was able to take that home to its original owner. And I can only imagine the story that he told saying, you will not believe what just happened. You know, the point that I get out of this is that if it matters to you, it matters to God. And we can never count God out because uh, nothing is impossible for him. Second Kings chapter six, verses one through seven, let's read it. It says, one day the group of prophets came to Elisha and told him, as you can see, this place where we meet with you is too small. Let's go down to the Jordan River where there are plenty of logs. There we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them, go ahead. Please come with us, someone suggested. I will, he said. So he went with them. When they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees. But as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried. It was a borrowed axe. Where did it fall, the man of God asked. When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it into the water at that spot. Then the axe head floated to the surface. Grab it, Elisha said. And the man reached out and grabbed it. Now, it's not a stretch to assume that all of us in this room can relate to this story somehow. Now, I know not many of us have ever been chopping a tree down and our ax had go flying into the Jordan River, but most of us have lost something of value in our lives. We've all been impacted by this powerful word called loss, and I believe that the things that we've lost can actually be placed in one of two categories. The ones that we can control, the losses that we can control, and the ones that life controls, the losses that we can't control. Now the ones we can control, those controllable losses, are something on our own doing, okay? Maybe we took a gamble, we rolled the dice, we made a decision that could either turn out great or could that be a total bust? And you know the ones I'm talking about. The ones that say, Tomorrow morning, I'm going up to my boss to tell them how I really feel about them. Or, I've only been dating this person for two weeks, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and tell them that I love them. Or, eating McDonald's three times a day for a month can't be that bad for me, can it? Or, I'm going to take off a whole year from really connecting with my church family, from my faith community. I mean, how bad can it be if I just, you know, stop going to church for an entire year? I mean, those are potential losses that we might just have control over. When we took a chance and we lost, we really weren't that surprised because we knew that that could happen going in. I made the choice and the result was I lost. I told my boss how I really felt about him or her, and now I'm unemployed. <laughs> After two weeks of dating, I said that I love this person. They told me I was crazy, desperate, and they never want to see me again. I ate 90 meals at McDonald's in 30 days, and I feel like I'm going towards the light, and it's not an uncommon drink. I took a year off from connecting with my faith family, and now I feel more disconnected than ever. Those are controllable losses. And then... There are the ones that life controls, the ones that we can't control, the ones that sort of take us by surprise when we say, I know I'm doing everything in life that God wants me to do. I'm pursuing him. I'm serving him to the best of my ability. I'm trying my best to be a good person and being a, a good asset to society. 
and then something happens. And it's something that I didn't deserve. It's something I didn't cause. There's nothing I can do about it, but I'm the one paying the price for it. Ones like Janet, my wife, losing her cousin in a car accident at 16. Or me losing my best friend to drowning at the age of 20. I lost my my uncle, my grandmother, and my grandfather in less than six years. Janet lost all of her grandparents in less than 10 years. We've all suffered and processed and gone through seasons of death, haven't we? And unfortunately, when we hear the word loss, most of us automatically go to the subject of death. But let me tell you, it is so much bigger than that because we've all lost jobs, We've lost relationships. We've lost money. And then there are those losses in our lives like we've lost trust. We've lost our identities. One of the greatest losses of all, time. How many of us have said, man, if I could go back, (laughs) if I could go back and unsay what I said, undo what I did, if I could go back and grab 15-year-old Jeremy and give me five minutes in a room alone with that guy, I promise there's a lot of mistakes that he would not make. But unfortunately, we can't do that. Like we said, some of our losses are completely unplanned and it's not a result of any decision I made. It's not a result of any action that I took. The prophet in this story was doing the work of the Lord. He was building a new building for himself and others to learn more about God, to continue this journey of getting closer to God. And then suddenly this loss occurred and it was shocking and it was devastating to this prophet. And you might be wondering, Jeremy, why is it such a big deal? He just lost an axe head. Are you seriously comparing him losing an axe head with me losing my spouse, with him losing my child or my job or even myself? What's the big deal? It's an axe head. But listen, like Freddie said earlier, one of the most dangerous traps you and I can ever fall into is this comparison trap. I can't compare my losses to your losses. I can't say, you know what? My loss is much greater than yours. So you just need to get over it. You need to suck it up and you need to go on with life. I can't say that your loss is greater than mine because then that keeps me from dealing with my loss and talking about it in a healthy way. The comparison trap will quickly get us into trouble. And when we don't deal with our losses correctly or in a healthy way, we tend to lose our purpose and our effectiveness because we drag our unchecked, undealt with losses into every season of our lives. And then not only are we still dealing with losses, but now those around us are dealing with our losses as well. When the builder lost the axe head, he lost his purpose. As soon as the axe had sunk to the bottom of the river, this man lost his effectiveness in the mission of building a place of worship. Think about it. He didn't have all the same resources that you and I have today. He couldn't go down the true value and get a new axe head. Financially, because of the times that they lived in, this loss was going to affect him for a very long time, at least for the first few years of his life, because it wasn't even his. He was going to have to buy this person a new one or create a new one. Whether we experience controlled losses or uncontrolled losses, the result is usually the same. Our losses leave us feeling angry, confused, ineffective, bitter, numb. It puts us into a season of some level of grieving, which actually is not a bad thing. We think it's a bad thing. Society has kind of deemed grieving as a bad thing. It is not. 
It wouldn't have been bad if the ax had just slipped off into the ground or in the shallows of the water or off into the bushes because he just could have reached out and grabbed it and put it back on and just kept right on going. But it fell into the deep, the point of no return. And once it sank, it was gone. I just imagine this guy's face as he saw it hit the water, the emotions going on in him when he heard that splash. And that's how some of our losses affect us. How many times have you watched as things or people that you valued slipped out of your grip? How'd you feel when they just kind of disappeared? My job was going great and then it just slipped out of my hands. I had a great relationship with my kids. I had hopes and dreams and aspirations and ambitions for them, but my priorities got mixed up and I lost that relationship with my children. My marriage was going really well, but then all of a sudden, it just wasn't. My relationship with God had a lot of momentum. I felt like I was really getting somewhere with God, but then I took a major step back and I felt like I didn't belong. I lost my passion and I felt like I became ineffective. Now, let me pause just for a second when it, com when it comes to an uncontrollable loss. Because I understand that some of us in here have experienced those major devastating losses that had nothing to do with you either being in God's will or out of God's will. It was totally unexpected. It had nothing to do with decisions or sin or agendas. It was not a result of you. It was just life. And sometimes life is extremely unfair because you and I cannot undo in 2019 what was done in the beginning of time with Adam and, with Adam and Eve, which caused us to live in this broken world. And that brokenness includes a world that sometimes uncontrollable losses show up in our lives. So I said all that because depending on where you are in the season of your loss, this message, I believe, can help all of us by giving us some practical steps in the recovering process of our losses. So I'm in no way minimizing anyone's losses. My losses are very real to me. Your losses are very real to you. And let me also say this, that in God's timing and by God's hand, he does have a plan of recovery for us. My prayer is that this message will help all of us move forward towards Jesus, who is the ultimate source of our comfort and our healing. David, King David said this, uh, he wrote a bunch of poems and a bunch of songs that they, that's, that's called Psalms in the Old Testament. In, in chapter 34, King David says this, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And then several chapters later, he says this, he heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. I love that. Not physical wounds. The Lord doesn't show up in the lab coat and a stethoscope ready to, to, to mend you. He heals the brokenhearted, which means he bandages the wounds of our hearts and our souls. So how can we recover from a loss? Now notice I didn't say, how do we recover what we lost? Because as you know, some of the things we lose we cannot get back. So what I, what I said is, how can we recover from a loss? I believe there's three practical steps this morning that we can take to begin that journey of recovering from a loss. Okay, step number one, write this down for number one. Step number one is, I will acknowledge the loss. I will acknowledge the loss. Verse five says that when the man lost the ax head, he said, oh, sir, it was a borrowed ax. 
Too many times we try to pretend that the ax head is still there. If we don't admit it, that we lost it, then we didn't lose it, right? I mean, if, we, if we don't acknowledge that something is wrong, then we can just keep on going, pretending that nothing ever happened and everything is okay. But all along, we've lost our effectiveness. We're running on empty and just going through the motions, yet we put on a happy face and just keep swinging the stick like the head is still there. Because we've been programmed to just deal with it, to just get over it when loss comes our way. We've been told to put it behind me and don't dwell on it. Be strong and don't get down or sad. Think more about others than you do yourself because sadness is selfishness. Get over it to solve the problem. Dust yourself off and just keep moving forward. Those are the things that we've been told, that we've been programmed to believe. But God's word, God's scripture tells us that there is something powerful in the grieving. There is something life-giving about acknowledging the loss because God helps us change our perspective. He tears down the walls of hurt and allows us to see and hear what he might be trying to communicate to us. I love that Jesus grieved and wept over the loss of his good friend Lazarus. It actually showed the human side and the healthy side of Jesus, even though he was about to raise him from the grave. While there does come a point in our loss where we do need to, we need to get up, we need to dust ourselves off, we need to move forward, that usually comes later. We can't rush that. There will be time for that, but we cannot be afraid to go to our father and say, I'm hurting because he already knows it. But he does want to hear it from us and that we are asking him for help. There's a scripture in the book of Hebrews chapter four that says this, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Listen to this. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence, that's what Freddie read this morning, to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We will never be able to fully recover from our loss if we first don't have those honest moments, those honest seasons where we acknowledge what happened. We have to acknowledge the loss. So that's step one. Then going to step two, write this down. I will determine where I lost it. I will determine where I lost it. So first, we are acknowledging I've lost it. The second step, I will determine where I lost it. Verse six says this, where did it fall? The man of God asked. When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it into the water at that spot. So Elisha asked the question, where did it fall? And the man answered, I lost it right here. He knew where he lost it. There are things in our life that we have no idea where we lost it. That's one of the reasons why it's lost, right? Because we don't know where it is. But some of us don't know where it happened, when it happened, how it happened, and worst of all, that it even happened, that we even have lost it. But the truth is, those times are very few and far between. Most often, when it's a controlled loss, when it's a controlled loss, when we've lost something of importance, something of value, emotional things, spiritual things, if we're honest, we know exactly where it slipped out of our hands. And as hard as it is to do, we need to stop and re-examine where exactly that was. 
Because it's in those honest examinations when we learn important things that will mold us and to shape us for the future. Now, sometimes, okay, sometimes reliving a loss can bring us freedom. Any, admitting that, that maybe we did have a part to play in that loss can help us. We can learn from it. We can grow from that. Or maybe revisiting a loss can help us identify that we had absolutely nothing to do with that loss. It was out of our control. It was one of those life-controlled losses. And we can finally let ourselves be free of the guilt of owning something that we should have never owned in the first place, that we carried around all those years. But we can't begin the recovery process until we first admit this is what happened and this is where I lost it. Did I lose it when I began to drift away from my routine of spiritual disciplines? Did I lose it when I stopped praying because I wasn't getting the results that I felt I should have gotten? Did I lose it when that new girl or that new guy started working in our office? Did I lose it when I just stopped caring? Did I lose it when no one was looking and there was no one to hold me accountable and I knew that no one would notice? Did I lose it when I began to drift back into that addiction? Some of you have lost you. You've lost your identity. We've talked about this before. You have no idea who you are anymore. But thinking back and determining what went wrong is so powerful. As followers of Jesus, if you're following Jesus this morning, the great thing is, is that we get to walk through this. We get to process through this with our heavenly father. We get to seek God and talk to him about our losses. In the book of Matthew chapter seven, Jesus himself said this. The book of Matthew is a book in the New Testament. It's one of the gospels. And Jesus himself said this, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. So if you're in here this morning, you say, Jeremy, how do I recover? After I acknowledge the loss, after I determine where I lost it, how do I recover? Step number three, grab hold of God's plan. Grab hold of God's plan. Elisha said, grab it. And the man reached out and grabbed it. So if you have a big imagination like me, put yourself on the banks of the Jordan River on this day. You just experienced this law, so emotions are playing out in your head. You're wondering how you're ever going to recover from this. You're shocked, you're numb, you're, you're still wrapped up in the, now what am I going to do? kind of mentality. And then you begin to see God do something. His restoration begins to take place and Elisha shouts, grab it. Don't let go of it. Don't let it float away. Get in there and take hold of it. A buddy of mine back in the 90s, we, we had a group, uh, just he and I, we used to travel around and sing. Our group was called Two and Form. We thought we were really cool, you know. Uh, but his name is Kurt, a great friend of mine. He was sharing one time his story with me about, about how he became a follower of Jesus in his late teens. All throughout his teenage years, he was not a follower of Jesus, the complete opposite. This guy, uh, uh, it's amazing that if you hear some of his stories. So his friends convinced him to go to a church camp, a church youth camp. 
uh, during the summer. He was about 17, 18 years old. Reluctantly, Kurt said, okay, I'll go. So about the second or third day, they're in the lake and they're wrestling around. They're having a good time and they're playing chicken, you know, on each other's shoulders about in chest high water and they're wrestling around. So this is the 80s when, when this happened. And so this is when all the gold chains were real popular. All the guys, I think they're coming back. Janet, I need a gold chain if you can get that for me. So he's wrestling around and so they're after a few minutes, they look, gold chain's gone. Hey, Kurt, your chain's missing. So then they begin to kind of backtrack of where they were wrestling in the lake and they're feeling around, they're going underwater trying to find this gold chain, they're having no luck. So a few minutes go by and the camp speaker for that week comes into the water, sees the guys out there, young guy, and says, hey, what are you guys doing? What are you guys looking for? Oh, we're, we're looking for Kurt's chain. Remember, like I said, Kurt is not a follower of Jesus at this time. So they said, we're looking for Kurt's chain. We were wrestling. They got ripped off. Oh, where were you guys at? It's gone. Don't even bother helping us look for it. It was right over there in that area. So he goes over, starts meandering over there by himself. You guys go back to wrestling, doing what you want. I'm going to go look for it. I got time. So the guys begin to wrestle again, and they're fighting around, except for Kurt. And Kurt's watching this guy. So he watches him in several minutes. He's just kind of walking around, and he notices that his eyes are closed, and he's praying. And then he stops. And then he bowed his head, holds his breath and goes underwater. He's underwater for about 30 seconds. And he comes up out of that water with that gold chain in his hand. No one saw it except for Kurt. Now, a lot of people have tried to debunk that story. Oh, he was watching the whole time. He kind of saw, even if he did, the chances of him going out into that lake and still finding it in that spot are pretty remote. I choose to believe that God directed him out there to that spot to find that chain for Kurt. Because to this day, Kurt is serving Jesus with all of his heart. As a matter of fact, he is the superintendent of schools in the county that he lives in in Tennessee, and he's leveraging his Christian influence in that county. And it all started with his loss. God used his loss to draw him close to him. God's plan of restoration is not always going to be as obvious as an ax head floating to the surface of a river or a camp speaker coming out of the water with a gold chain in his hand. There could be times that his plan might be big and bold and will leave no doubt in our mind that this is God and he's trying to do something great in my life. But at other times, most often, his plan might be a little more subtle. We have to be conscious of God moving in the details of our situation. In fact, his plan of recovery might be so subtle that if we're not paying attention, we might just miss it. We might be so caught up in the pain of our loss that we're not able to see the plan of restoration. Let me say that again. We might be so caught up in the pain of our loss that we miss God's plan of restoration. Because I believe that some of us are allowing the scar from our loss to speak louder than the voice of our healer. The scar of our loss sometimes speaks louder than the voice of our healer. When we acknowledge our loss, when we determine where we lost it, we owe it to ourselves and to God to start looking for his plan, to be open to his plan and to grab hold of his plan. Maybe God's plan for you this weekend starts with getting back to reading scripture. 
or making your faith family a priority again or joining one of our volunteer teams or began the, 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 the practice of giving back financially to help, our, to help us accomplish our mission, which is loving people one step closer to Jesus. Maybe it's joining a life group uh, this fall season so that you can grow uh, closer to God with others. Maybe that friend that's been talking to you about our Celebrate Recovery program on Monday nights. Maybe it's time that you go. Or that phone number to that counselor that somebody's been trying to get you to call. Maybe that is God's first step of the plan for you. Whatever it is, no matter how grand or how subtle it might be, grab onto it. Trust that God loves you and that if it matters to you, it matters to him. No matter how life-changing, no matter how devastating your loss may be. Remember that it was no surprise to God. It did not catch him off guard. If you are hurting, then he is hurting as well. If you grew up in church, then you probably heard Psalm 23. It's a super popular scripture. Many of you in here can maybe even quote it. I was reading through the Psalm 23 over the last couple of weeks and something jumped out at me. Something stood out to me. I noticed, I remembered that there are times when I've done studies on shepherds, there are times when they have to move their sheep from point A to point B. They have to get them from pasture to pasture, from pen to pen. And it's in that travel that the sheep are at their most vulnerable. It's when they are at most risk, their highest risk of attack. They can get separated from the group. They can lose sight of the shepherd. They can just simply get lost. And it's so important during those times that we cling to the rod and the staff of the shepherd. The scripture refers to followers of Jesus as sheep, and it refers to Jesus as the great shepherd. When danger is present, our shepherd protects us. When we're confused or afraid or hurting, our shepherd can comfort us. And when we are experiencing loss, our shepherd can guide us through and direct us to the right path. Let me read it, Psalm 23, verses 1 through 4. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. This is no time for any of us to wander off alone. Today is the day to cling to the shepherd. Today is the day to acknowledge the loss, determine what went wrong. And when we see the plan, even a glimpse of the plan to grab hold and take hold of it. If you'll go ahead and take out that loss inventory sheet that I put in your programs this weekend, you'll see on the front of that kind of guides you through some, some examples of what maybe a loss that you've gone through uh, may fall into. Then you'll see down at the front where it says the loss one through five and then the consequence. At the bottom of that first page, I list the five ways that most of us deal with our losses. These are the five unhealthy ways that most of us deal with our losses or even have dealt with our losses. On the back, you'll see the seven skills that we can learn, the healthy skills to deal with our losses. Maybe it's a loss that you've already dealt with that you feel like 
hey, I think I've got closure on this. That's great. But if you dealt with one of, if, if you dealt with that in one of these five manners, it might come back. I believe one of these seven skills on the back can help you get through it in a healthy manner. No matter what it is, death, divorce, moving. Did you know that moving away, moving from one state to another, did you know that that is the third most traumatic event that can happen in a person's life? Going through losses of trust or identities and things like that, time, any of those things that you think, man, this has been a big impact in my life. I just wanna encourage you, I want every person to take this home and implement this this week as you think about your losses. A few years after my grandparents' home was broken into, going back to the beginning, they decided to replace the drop ceiling in their, in their basement. So the workers were down there, they were tearing down all the old drop ceiling, they were putting up the new one. And guess what they found? This was years later. An old 357 revolver, some of my grandmother's jewelry, and a World War II Japanese sniper rifle, complete with bayonet. My grandparents were so ecstatic, they could not believe. So the assumption is that the people that broke in didn't have time to get everything, so they hid it because they wanted to try to come back and get it. Here's what I wanted to bring about with that story. What once was lost now is found. And that phone call to my dad from my grandparents was one of complete celebration. And I want to show you another celebration about things that are lost and found. It's found in the, the book of Luke chapter 15. It says this, that's the way God responds every time one lost sinner repents and turns to him. He says to all his angels, let's have a joyous celebration for that one who was lost, I have found. Isn't that great? Someone here may be able to say, Jeremy, the only thing that's lost in my life is me. I'm lost. I've been running from God nearly all my life or for the last few weeks or the last few months or the last few years, whatever. I'm lost and I want Jesus to find me. Some of you just need someone to pray with you. You've gone through a loss in a very unhealthy way and you need someone to pray with you. Immediately after service this morning, we're gonna have a couple of us down here that want to pray with you. I also wanna tell you about an amazing resource that we have here at New Life. Her name is Marilyn. And she is here with us this morning. Can you wave your hand, Marilyn? So Marilyn is our on-staff counselor. She's a, an amazing, amazing woman, a great resource and a valuable tool and part of our staff. And so thank you for being here this morning, Miss Marilyn. Maybe some of you need to connect with her and say, hey, I, I just need someone to talk to. Like I said, she's our on-staff counselor and Lord knows we all need her on staff. And so she's made herself available for the church as well. So maybe you need to set up an appointment with Marilyn. Maybe you'd like for Marilyn to pray with you. We have that available as well. Maybe that's your first step. Acknowledging the loss, determining where you lost it, and grabbing hold of God's plan. Taking this inventory sheet home and looking at it and saying, I need to go through this. I need to re 
evaluate some of my losses and see that I deal with it in a healthy manner. Don't need to go back and deal with it in a healthy way so that I can be exactly who God created me to be. Will you bow your heads with me? Jesus, thank you for being our great shepherd. I proudly call you part of your flock, a sheep, one that needs to be molded and guided and directed. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done in my life. Thank you for directing me here to Patterson, California, so that I can be who you created me to be for this season of New Life Christian Center. And I thank you for every single person here, Lord. I truly believe that every single person is here on purpose because you have something that you want to reveal and communicate to them about their losses. Even as I'm praying, Lord, I pray that you will just minister to them, Lord, whatever that looks like, whatever that sounds like, Lord, I pray that you will just reveal yourself, make, make yourself real to everyone in this room. If you just keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed. I want to ask you this question. I asked a question just a couple of minutes ago. You said, when I said, Jeremy, really the only thing that I've ever lost is me. I'm lost. I don't know Jesus as my savior, but I want to change that this morning. I want to be found. If that's you, can you just slip your hand up real quick? Anybody else? Just slip your hand up and say, I need Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. I'm going to say a prayer. We do me a favor, everyone in here, even if you are already a follower of Jesus, can you repeat this prayer after me? Say, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. Beginning today, I make you my Lord and Savior. I repent. I know I've done wrong, and I want you to forgive me. Come into my life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.